0: Well, hey, folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. It's really great to be back with you after my summer break, (laughs) which turned into my fall break. And here it is, 2023, and I am uh, rested and ready. So here we go. I think some of you may know that during my break, I became more involved with Twitter And I have to say, I like Twitter. I I think it's a perfect medium to inject integral insights into current events as they're happening in real time. And, you know, there's people posting things, you can respond, it's quick, it's juicy if you want, you can choose the arenas you want to be in. So if you want to be in the arena to fight, you can do that. If you want to be in the arena to friend, you can do that. And so anyway... If you like what I bring to the party, I would encourage you to go to Twitter or Google Jeff or a Daily Evolver Twitter. It's at Daily Evolver on Twitter and press the follow button and, uh, you know, check it out. Only, however, (laughs) if you can stomach it. And I have to say that many of my friends both inside and outside the integral community, have developed serious antibodies to Twitter. And especially now that it's owned and operated by Twitter's new chief twit, I think he calls himself, Elon Musk. And he's who I want to talk about today. The the Elon Musk phenomena, and particularly what he's bringing to or doing to Uh, Twitter. So uh, just a quick recap of what I'm doing here on the Daily Evolver. My calling is to look at current events and the players in current events through the lens of integral theory. Uh, In fact, you can see it on my Twitter bio. I I say, it; they have to be real short, so I distilled it down. I offer commentary on current events based on the premise that human consciousness and culture are evolving and that evolution, while not pretty, is beautiful. And that's what I do. A central idea behind integral theory, developmental theory, is that as we develop as cultures and individuals, we move through discernible stages, and you could slice and dice these differently, and different systems do. But the basic idea is that, well, the physical model that people use uh, when they're talking about development is often the spiral, the spiral of development, spiral dynamics, that sort of thing, because that's a perfect image of a uh, of, of a organism essentially, where each stage structure grows out of the previous ones while including them. So greater span as you go, as well as greater depth. And that's that's important. So, you know, it's just sort of a quick intro to that. I'm not going to spend time here, but I would encourage you to go again to my Twitter bio. You'll see it in in the bio, a link to a page that I created over my break. Uh, exclusively for civilians, if you will. I've I put it on my Twitter bio because I want people who are interested in integral or me to, you know, get a quick, easy explanation of my approach to using integral theory to understanding current events and reverse of ISA, using current events to understand integral. And so, you know, the page has um, got a lot of cool graphics that my friend Namali Pereira did. And it's a good refresher. It might be something you would uh, send to somebody who's interested in this. And, you know, it's the easiest of on-ramps. So I wanted to just lay that out for people who are not exactly sure where I'm coming from. Okay, so back to the main subject of this episode, and that's Elon Musk. In this podcast, I will try to make the case That integral or that Elon Musk is what we, using integral developmental jargon, might refer to as a spiral wizard. That was a phrase that was put out, particularly in a spiral dynamics um, lineage, if you will. And that's somebody who's able to function very well at several stages of human development, including. it, 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 and, and this is critical, the leading edge and the lag, lagging edge. That's Most of us are functional at, you know, traditional, modern, postmodern, maybe. Uh, but when you get functional at the leading edge of integral, and even the lagging edge of warrior, and we'll get to that in a second, then, you know, it's not pretty always, but I, I get ahead of myself here. So anyway, back to the you know the basics. There are three big tectonic worldviews that are currently in contention. Each stage has its own worldview. One it's is traditionalism. That's the God and country people, maybe 25% of the culture in the US and the West. Modernity, secular, rational, these are maybe the 50% in the middle. And then postmodernity sensitive, world-centric, egalitarian, and they are the leading edge out of which integral emerges. Uh, Each of these worldviews have something really precious to offer, and they all hate each other. Uh, That's just sort of the way it is, and it's something we have to take into account. Uh, most people can function in one or two of the worldviews, traditional, modern, postmodern. And generally, you know, moderns the common denominator. We have people who are easily fit in a traditional slash modern world. We have people who fit in a modern slash postmodern world. But particularly traditionalism and postmodern uh, ideologies uh, really polarize against the other. So if you can integrate that polarization and find a fit for all three of these worldviews in your own psyche, then you're beginning to get into integral territory. And um, so that's the the lay of the land. So again, back to Musk. Where is he on this uh, developmental um, schema? I would locate Elon Musk, uh, in, in terms of his center of gravity or his, his heart, where he's naturally lands or grows from, is the modern stage of development. And it makes sense because the modern stage is sort of the center of gravity of the modern world, if you will, you know, the West, the Japan, you know, the, the, the modern thinking world. And In developmental theory, the person, the individual with the center of gravity of modern is often referred to as the achiever. And Elon Musk is an achiever, you know, squared, uh, squared again. I mean, he requires us to radically expand The definition of what an achiever even means. It's astonishing. He's the first person to become a billionaire in four different industries, industries he created or recreated, most prominently Tesla, the car company. It's not easy to start a new car company from scratch, much less a new car technology. And I have to say the Teslas are magnificent. I mean, the, the idea of an electric car before Tesla was like, you know, a glorified golf cart. And not only is the machine itself amazing, but the operating system, the charging system, how it's networked into, um, you know, getting software updates. It's just a whole new ball game of innovation, innovation growth being really modern um, core values. Uh, so that's Tesla and that's just the beginning. it's astonishing again he uh, founded SpaceX of course with the what are they the the Falcon Heavy I think the super heavy rocket that doubles the payload of the previously most powerful rocket and <laughs> get this it's reusable. it takes off, it does its thing and it comes back and lands. I mean I, I don't know what to make of that Then there's Starlink, the system of low-orbit satellites that currently is keeping Ukraine on the internet during the war when the other infrastructure is taken out. It's hard to overestimate the value of that in, you know, a very important um, war between traditionalism, authoritarianism, and modernity with Russia and Ukraine. And and that's a whole other story that I've talked a lot about, but that's, you know, the huge uh, contribution there. And then there's his tunneling company, the solar roof tiles and battery storage, and now Twitter. So from a modern achiever perspective, I have to say that I fucking marvel at that. And so do most modern people. I mean, the, the modern people don't have a big problem with Elon Musk. Not They have little problems, perhaps, but not big problems because, you know, he's expressing where they live. And I have that modern, you know, structure in myself. Um, so, you know, in terms of re- de- redefining what human beings are capable of, which he does, uh the a, a, an analogy that i think of is perhaps you saw it, it it's a 60 minutes segment with anderson cooper a couple months ago maybe about this great dog chaser who had been trained by her master to to find or i'm sorry her, her owner her companion yes to find any one of 600 toys in a pile. They actually did it on 60 Minutes. Go get the squirrel. Go get the fire hydrant. Chaser would go in this huge pile of toys and find it and bring it back. And it turns out that Chaser understands a thousand words more than any other animal of any species except humans. And doing so has exponentially expanded our understanding of what dogs and animals are capable of. And humans' understanding of what animals are capable of is just beginning to fluoresce. This is another evolutionary move that we're in the middle of, and another story, which I've talked about and will again. But anyway, he's that kind of guy for humans from that modern perspective. Now, there is, uh, you know, we talk about every stage of development has a good side and a mean side or a bad side, and we call it mean modernity. And one of the, you know, the fundamentalism of modernity is materialism, where everything is reduced to its material components—consciousness, all of it, you know, we can put consciousness in robots, we can create consciousness with, you know, all that sort of thing. God, of course, religion, you know, it's like Ken Wilber said, we move from a world in traditionalism where God is everywhere, you know. The world is saturated in God, divinity, all of human history, until 300 years ago, where all of that <laughs> is thrown away, uh, and we move into modernity. Thank God, modernity's great gifts. But uh, it does disenchant the world. And I think uh, if I had to get—I don't see a shred of spirituality or enchantment from Elon Musk. So I think that's where he is, as many of us are, you know, at the cutting edge even. So anyway, that's sort of the take of, of you know, his uh, mastery, if you will, of modernity. So let's look at then postmodernity. And to explain this, I have a chance to look at a sort of a different aspect of how development happens in a culture and in each one of us, and an easy back pocket way of thinking about this, and I Uh, explain this on that Twitter page that's on my Twitter bio, Uh, is the cultures and people evolve in the first person, I, that is my own interiority, how I think, my sort of world of Jeff, that gets bigger as I evolve. Uh, In second person, how we relate to you, to other people, to other cultures, And that whole sort of mutuality also evolves. And then in the third person, and that's technology, the stuff of our world that we all live in and can touch. That's the it's of the world. And all three of those um, are evolving, co-evolving at the same time, not necessarily uniformly. And sometimes our technology gets ahead of our uh, moral development first person or second person, and so forth. And so, you know, welcome to the catastrophe of human history. But so with that in mind, we can see that from a third person perspective, that is the world of technology and stuff, it would be hard to imagine a single person on the planet who has done more to further the Green energy agenda, for instance. Solar and battery power, battery storage alone. Elon Musk has moved things along probably by a decade. And not just in theory and thinking and lab research, but in actual physical manifestation. So, uh, and then, of course, third person in terms of um, communications technology is social media that's where everybody has a voice and you know the hierarchies are, of 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 uh are broken down and the all the triumphalist narratives of history are broken down and everybody gets to get in the game and so his um foray into Twitter is uh, of course his uh, a move into third-person technology Communications technology it also has a you know of course it's just it's it's big time first person in terms of people's thinking and also how we deal with each other so he's taken on the whole ball of wax here and i'm not sure he gets postmodernity in the first and second person just a, sort of a quick overview in terms of first person postmodern the ideology of postmodernity is egalitarian uh, world centric in the in the interiors, very culturally sensitive, sensitive in general, the whole world of psychology and introspection in the way that we do it um, in the postmodern world. That's, um, you know that I don't know if he's uh, has that uh, a lot of that available. He's uh, politically calls himself a soft libertarian. He's kind of a classic liberal. Um, and voted Democratic, as he said, until recently. Uh, so, you know, center left, center right, uh, he's up the middle, not, not uh, uh, left in the, in the, in the way uh, that, uh, of emerging postmodernity. In fact, he has declared war on postmodern ideology, uh, you know, war in terms of at least in the Twitter sphere. Uh, he calls woke a mind virus and says it must be stopped. And this is a common misunderstanding of very sophisticated modernists, uh, classic liberals, if you will. They see post-modernity in general, and the woke expression of it in particular, to be a wrong turn in history. It shouldn't have happened. And we need to come back to just rational, modern, you know, level playing field, um, equality, but not egalitarianism. Uh, so, you know, that's the f- struggle. We see that in the, in the culture war. And so, f- but from an integral perspective, post-modernity is not a wrong turn in history. It's a right turn in history. It's a stage of development with many gifts, of, again, sensitivity, righting the wrongs of history, deconstructing triumphalist narratives that have plagued humanity. Uh, and woke is the fundamentalist expression of it. Every stage has uh, comes in on the backs of their fundamentalists, and the fundamentalists, or fanatics, if you will, uh, sort of keep it in line, and they actually continue to evolve as well. I talked about the fundamentalism of modernity is materialism the fundamentalism of traditionalism of course is my god versus your god <laughs> and my culture versus your culture um so so that that's sort of integral sort of makes that differentiation uh so one of the things that post modernity wants and this is where uh, musk draws the line and of course a lot of classic liberals do is uh, post modernity and particularly woke wants not just a level playing field. They want affirmative action to redress the injustices of the past as they see it. They do want more equality of outcomes. They have a natural antipathy to private corporate power. It's like, I think it was AOC who said that a billionaire is a failure of policy, that they shouldn't even exist, that there should be you know, people should be able to achieve, but not to create fortunes greater than the net worths or gross domestic product of many countries. Uh The, the postmodern is uh, world-centric with an emphasis on sustainability, not growth, allergic to growth. They like government power because it more easily serves their ends. And of course, big time cultural power. They the, the left has controlled the culture uh, up until recently it's been challenged. And, of course, this is a big challenge with Musk taking over Twitter and, um, you know, being upfront about it. That has created gr- a great blowback uh, from liberals that we see playing out every day. So, you know, we can look at, you know, so that's sort of that first-person ideology of way of thinking in green postmodernity, in terms of the way we deal with others, you know, uh, postmodernity we become very sensitive to um, other people, particularly those who have been marginalized or unseen, you know. Uh, uh, Empathy is not uh, Elon Musk's strong suit, In fact, he may be on the empathy spectrum, skewing to the extreme of um, well, I did a a, 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 I don't want to call him a psychopath uh, uh, because that has so loaded. Uh, I do have a an episode I did a year or so ago called Psychopaths Are People Too, where I talk about empathy the empathy spectrum and how sometimes being low empathy can be powerful. It can also be destructive. And that's, again, a whole other discussion. But, you know, (laughs) I think of people like him, um, politicians, uh, people in the public eye, and I wonder how they can sleep at night with the sheer level of vitriol that In the case of Elon Musk, he's actively inviting it every day on Twitter. He's poking the bear, picking the scab. And, um, you know, I consider that sort of um, consciousness, even collective consciousness, to have sort of a liquid quality that literally would disturb my sleep, (laughs) you know, I'd feel it. But, um, you know, either one, he doesn't feel it. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the antenna. He doesn't mind. It doesn't register with him. Or he likes it. And, you know, this is a little bit of a foreshadowing of how Elon Musk is read. He likes fighting. So before we get into that, uh, let's look at the traditional. So we looked at Elon Musk in terms of the modern and postmodern stages. Let's look in terms of the traditional stage. From... The traditional worldview uh, and traditionalists in the country, I think p- traditionalists are um, a little ambivalent about Elon Musk. They, First of all, they love him for taking on their enemy, the postmodern wokesters. Uh, they have allergies to government power, not private power. They Private power, they're good. Uh, do they like electric cars? Not really. Liberals drive electric cars. That's maybe going to change. I don't know. It's funny how that works, isn't it? And, it, and Musk doesn't seem to care much. Um. So anyway, he, uh, in terms of, you know, how traditionalists see Musk, I think it's something like that. But what's more interesting is his own interiority in terms of how he inhabits his own traditional structure. And he does. Uh. What's true about traditional structures, in terms of power structures, is that traditional leaders don't just lead, they rule. Right? When we get to modernity and post-modernity, where we get this idea of separation of powers, particularly in modernity, the ideal leader is the person who can bring people together to have persuasive powers, to bring out people's bests, to help people create the future together, create something together. Um, Traditionalists, that's not a king. When you think of kings, you know, pre-modern rulers, you know, the idea is to get people to fall in line. And the great leaders were the ones that could mobilize people. They didn't necessarily want to... uh, persuade them. It's a little bit like Putin's last speech here. It's like, hey, we're on war footing now. People, we're, everybody's got to fall in line here. It's not about persuasion. And I, I, Trump does that naturally. He rules. You know, he in fact, it's funny, his official title for Tesla filed at the SEC is techno king. And he says it's a joke. And, you know, it is it's just like chief twit. But there's truth to it. My nephew worked at Tesla for years. And at that time, this is a couple of years ago, Musk had 24 direct reports as CEO. And that's just unheard of. It's like, how do you do that? This is not a hierarchical structure. This is not a company where there are visioning meetings and everyone's opinion is fully seen and respected and where their feelings are taken into account. No, it's a company where Big Daddy says how it's going to be. Uh, And if Big Daddy's right more than he's wrong, or she, and it can be both, uh, then it works. You know, people do fall in line. If, If the mission is persuasive, they want to fall in line. So you have concentrated power with a shared responsibility for executing it, for carrying it out. And this is a tried-and-true strategy uh, or structure, particularly for startups, entrepreneurial companies. You want to have a monomaniac on a mission to start something. And it can be a great adventure if this maniac has the vision worth following. Um, And so people will fall in line. You can feel your own traditional you know, structure where it's like, yes, tell me what to do. I'll be part of it. I want to fall in line. I want to join the, um, the the crusade, you know. And so he's good at that too. So he does both. He leads and he rules. And that's sort of an integration of those two things. So anyway, that's Elon Musk in terms of how he comes from these big three worldviews that are currently online and in contention. Uh, traditionalism, modernism, postmodernity, postmodern. So that's all fascinating. When you're doing that, you're in integral territory. But then there's the leading edge, where it's more conscious integral territory. And there's what is even more fascinating, there's the lagging edge, the stage of development before traditionalism that we call the warrior-slash-empire stage and it is egocentric instead of ethnocentric very much focused on me uh and it's not that you even want to rule you want to rule but mainly you want to conquer you know it's about acquisition domination you're not just big daddy or big mama you're a warlord you're A gang leader in a certain sense, and of course, now when you have this energy titrated into a bigger structure of traditionalism, modernism, and postmodernism, it's not as pernicious uh, and violent, literally, as it is in history. But there is, the imperative is to fight. Just fight. You get up in the morning as a warrior, and if you don't have a fight, you take it easy, but you're looking for a fight. And the idea is not just to win. Uh, it's really, you win or lose, you just keep fighting. It's like Trump. Trump has a huge red center of gravity. I think that's where he actually lives. Uh, but he's functional. He's also a sort of a dark spiral wizard in a way. Uh, but, you know, he talks about winning, but really he just fights. He just never surrender. It's like, um, who was saying... Um, that um Russia is now it in, in all of history Russia stops fighting when they can't fight anymore and that's not just Russia that's true of any Warrior Empire um uh, civilization so you know it's like the Warriors Creed today is a good day to die and that's it's it's hard for us in the modern world to wrap our head around that but there's something that's wild and passionate and alive about it that is really, really powerful when it's included in the meme stack, when it's included in the spiral of where you're coming from yourself. And it's not pretty. Uh, it, it loves chaos. It creates chaos just for the sake of it. It, it actually has this sense, that fighting is fruitful, even without a goal, because it just keeps things from calcifying. It keeps things in the air. Uh, It keeps the eyeballs on you. That's very important if you're creating chaos. We all know people like this in our lives. Attention itself is the currency. You know, it's not necessarily the goal. And, you know, I find you know, the, the red energy is, first of all, naturally repulsive to the later structures. You know, we've spent a lot of time in history uh, uh, getting over uh the the you know this egocentric stage, ethnocentric, one of its jobs is to do that by creating a transcendent God and rules and the whole thing. And then once we get to modernity, there's a great pacification that comes online where cooperation is, you know, modern people want to cooperate. They really don't want to fight. Um, and if they do, it's it's the, the idea is to fight fruitfully. But fear is a big part of it. I think fear is a big part for Elon. I mean, you don't want to tweet against him because he'll, um, you know, tweet back and he has however a million followers. And I remember just how repulsed I was. Uh, When he this is several years ago, when he offered the guy who was trying to save the the like the Boy Scouts in Thailand who had gotten caught in a cave, remember that, and he offered to this submarine thing that he had created Musk did and the guy rejected it and Musk uh, tweeted that he was okay pedo man. P-E-D-O, like pedophile man. And that's like, fuck you. This guy's saving these kids. And he did. And so, you know, that is, I, I can feel the revulsion and and, and, and what he's tweeting now, it's really um, kind of astonishing. Uh, it's uh, if, developmentally, if we think of, you know, the uh, growing as an individual human being, it's like a five-year-old. It's the egocentric stage of development. It's perfectly fine for a five-year-old or a four-year-old. It's not so pretty on a 74-year-old (laughs) ex-president. And, you know, I... But I I can't deny its power. Uh, And just as another little uh, sort of bit of odd evidence for his uh, redness, if you will, his warrior stage, this uh, egocentric stage is that Teslas, these magnificent, beautiful cars, have uh, uh, fart sounds. You can uh, fart in an intersection. And there's six versions of the fart, including, quote, not a fart. I mean, it's really, again, I, I have a Tesla. It's what I was like. It was like, what? It's, it has this natural revulsion to me, but powerful when it's, again, titrated into a bigger stack. And so then, so that's the lagging edge. Uh, and he inhabits it like very few people can, uh, as, as along with these others. And then, so that is, when you're doing that, it's de facto integral in the sense that you have a lot of capacity. There's, you contain multitudes. Uh, Elon contains more than most, but, you know, we all want to, you know, we all want to be aware of, to differentiate and integrate these worldviews within ourselves and including these early ones, including magic and, um, you know, awareness without thought. We can go all the way to the beginning, but that's another story. Uh, But I do want to make the case for uh, Musk having uh, integral sensibility. So, this leading edge of development. And again, just his capacity to uh, inhabit the previous stages is, is my first evidence. But also, just his, you know, we talk about meta systemic thinking, thinking in terms of systems of systems at integral. And I don't know anybody who uh, thinks in terms of systems of systems better than Musk, particularly again, in, in terms of think thinking, of course, is first person, but the way he thinks about if you move something here, here's what happens over here. And he just has it all. It's just unbelievable. we made that case. Uh, but also what he, in terms of him taking over Twitter, I have to say I don't personally notice a big difference it may be who I've been subscribed to there's some difference uh there's definitely you know if you think of what he's done so um when he took over twitter both donald trump and alex jones were deplatformed he replatformed trump and didn't replatform alex jones and I'm Good with all of the above. I was good when it happened with Trump. I was good at this point with letting him back on. He's not back on. He's doing his own truth social or his, talk about red, uh, his um, his baseball cards, Trump's baseball cards, where there's 12 different versions of him in various, either red or traditional. He's either a sheriff or a, a, a superhero, or he's shooting. Uh, it's it's hard to wrap your head around those cards, but they're very red, <laughs> very egocentric. Uh, but, you know, he uh, was uh, the president, apparently he was the president of the United States for four years. So, you know, th- th- these decisions are made, but um, it, it, Trump has justified them fairly capriciously. Uh, Alex Jones is not allowed back on because he went after children uh, with the Sandy hook thing. And, uh, you know, using, uh, this, this is a, a, a green empathetic move on Trump on Elon Musk's part. He said, I held my firstborn baby in my arms as he stopped breathing. And I'm not going to let anybody who's bad to kids on. So it's a very, in a way, egocentric rationale, uh, but you know, in the case of Alex Jones, I'll take it. But you know, one of the things that uh, Elon Musk is doing with Twitter is he is busting up the hegemony uh, of, of the left uh, that uh, really ran Twitter. Ninety-five percent of Twitter employees vote Democratic. You know that sort of says it all. It's not even you don't even have to be terribly intentional. At that point, uh, about you know creating a mono perspectival platform, uh, it just comes naturally, you know, uh, and and for the best of reasons from a green progressive perspective. It's like Yol Roth, who was the director of safety at Twitter. There's a, a, a piece that went around. Uh, where he's being interviewed by Karis Swisher, who is a technology podcaster and writer. And he makes the case that to criticize or satirize a historically marginalized group like transgendered people is to literally put them in danger. Uh, and that's why you can't do that. that. That doesn't fly in a, you know, in a civil society of free speech. The criticism and satirization has to be allowed, uh, and we're going to have a healthier system if it is. So, um, you know, this is again how Musk uh, is—he talks about hewing to the laws of any particular country— And this is a world-centric view. You've got to do that. If you want to build a factory in China, you have to know how to get along with the Chinese. If Twitter is indeed going to be a marketplace of ideas, a conversation for the world, it has to hew to the laws of any particular country. And that is, I think, represents an an integral sensibility. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, Very much into experimentation versus analysis. Um, we're going to fail forward. That's how he talks to the employees. You know, they're down to 2000 employees from, you know, double or triple that. And, you know, this, this is that traditional thing. He, he didn't want everybody there who doesn't believe in what he's doing. He only wants the true believers. You know, that's, that's where you can get something done from that true believer um, uh, stage of, uh, you know, power. So, That's also, I think, has an integral sensibility to it. And then uh, maybe the most important thing that Elon Musk does, aside from take us to Mars, which, you know, if that happens and, you know, Earth ends and humanity continues, then, you know, what can you say about somebody who's done that? That's his idea, you know, is that we'll seed human consciousness into the uh, bigger cosmos and um you know that's amazing but short of that the biggest thing that elon musk could do would be to make transparent the algorithms of social media and big internet and so far they're not he pledges that they will be he's made his patents available uh for all of his inventions and so forth with tesla they're Uh, transparent they're available and uh, that's something you know that's having it's like I'm here for the adventure you know there there's a wonderful um, liberation that comes even from that red uh, perspective of I don't care if this kills me I'm, I'm in this game to make my contribution and come what may and so I'm throwing the doors open. Everybody can look. And, um, and I trust that that will be the way forward. And I think it will be the way forward. And um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, I think that's probably all I have to say. I've been pr- rattling on here for a while, but is there anything final I would say is uh, again, um, you know, we'll see how it goes with Twitter. Uh, it's he, He's got the third person down, the engineering. We'll see if he can handle the, the you know, the, the we space and the i space that it also brings. And um, again, I'm going to be on Twitter. I'm liking it more all the time, actually, for me and for my purposes. And so if you want to follow me, uh, go there. Um, it's at Daily Evolver on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'll keep tweeting and I'll keep doing these podcasts. And, you know, we'll figure this out, right? Take, take, take us uh, forward into the sacred world to come. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening to The Daily Evolver. Again, it's great to be back. And we'll see you next time.